Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If I do good things, then good things will happen to me. If I do good things, then God will be happy with me. But if I don't do good things, then God's mad at me. Like that's how I function. All, all of my life, right? Even when I didn't really believe in a God, that's kind of how I functioned, right? So when you come into this relationship with Jesus and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. Now, will you do good works as a Christian? Of course you will, okay? Of course you will, and you should. In today's message, Pastor James will remind you of the proper way that people should think of how God views them. Many people have the idea that if they do enough good things or do enough religious acts, then God will be happy with you. This couldn't be further from the truth. If you read your Bible every day and think that God is happy with you, what happens when you miss a day? God's love isn't dependent on your performance. He loves you unconditionally each and every day, regardless of your works. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We're going to be taking a break from the book of Acts, and we're going to jump into the book of Galatians. If you haven't been a part of our congregation for the past, uh, I don't know, half a year or so, we already had this planned out. We, any, any time, moment in time when we got to the book of Acts and a particular region was addressed, then we decided, well, we'll go through that letter. So understand that this is not like a chronological kind of thing. The letter that was written to the church of Galatia or the region of Galatia more than likely was written at some point in time after Acts chapter 15. We understand that. We get that. But just because last week we finished up Paul's first missionary journey, which was to the region of Galatia. And so we just thought, well, why not read the letter that he would write to these guys and familiarize ourselves with uh, the things that he had to say. So Galatians is where we're going to be. Context-wise, just so you kind of have an understanding of what's happening within the book of Galatians, it, it really is being addressed to a region, not so much one particular city. And when Rome had occupied this, this region of the world, it, it kind of expanded this little region, this little country as it used to be known, to include multiple cities. Galatia has a, a really a long history of, of guys coming from, the thought is from uh, France, area and settling in uh, that modern kind of northern Turkey area, that middle uh, Mediterranean area right over there. Um, so, we, But when Rome took over, they kind of expanded the borders there and it included uh, the Galatian region would include every stop that Paul uh, made on his first missionary journey. So that's why we think the letter is going to a group of churches, not so much just one church. Um, so with Paul's writing to these guys, what we we covered last week, in case you weren't here, you don't know, you weren't watching, or uh, or you missed the service, um, Paul was going city by city, preaching the gospel, just a pure and simple gospel of how Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, Jesus rose from the grave, uh, salvation is through Jesus and through him alone, uh, access into heaven is through Jesus and through him alone. Um, 
That was the pure, simple gospel that Paul was preaching to these regions. However, anytime he approached the city, a group of religious leaders would follow right after him, and they would uh, stir up the town. The, the last spot, they, he, the bad guys, so to speak, uh, stirred, up, stirred up the town that, that really was, they were attempting to worship Paul and Barnabas. They thought they were gods. They thought they were Zeus and, and Hermes that had come down in human form, and they, they wanted to offer sacrifices to them. And Paul and Barnabas said, no, no, you know, worship the one true God, the one true living God. Um, and then these, uh, the religious leaders would come alongside and they stirred up the mob, so to speak, to where they, they stoned Paul right there and they drug him out of the city thinking he was dead. He came back alive, went back into the town, uh, spent the night there. And then they packed up their bags and they left town. So, um, that was happening on a regular basis, so to speak. Anytime they go into a city, they preach the gospel, people would get saved. The enemy was always hot on their heels, so to speak, um, willing to stir up trouble and try to disrupt what God was doing. So throughout each and every region, that's what they encountered. And then they worked their way back to Antioch and they gave a report of how the Lord had opened the, the door, so to speak, the gospel to the Gentiles and good things were happening. Once Paul and those guys left, however, some of those religious leaders would stick around and they begin to uh, instruct these new converts. Um, they begin to instruct them that, well, essentially that Jesus was not enough. Um, if, you, if you really wanted to get to heaven, if you w- really wanted to be on right standing with God, it was going to take Jesus plus something else. So that was the, that, that's what we're going to talk. We're going to go through Galatians chapter one. We're going to give kind of, we're going to go verse by verse through it, but we're going to, I'm going to give basically a, a, a snapshot of this thing. Um, but to, to summarize it, Paul is combating these false teachers who, come, who came along after him and instructed all these believers saying, look, uh, Jesus isn't enough. And, and I'm here to tell you just alongside the apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is more than enough for your salvation, okay? You don't need Jesus plus the law. You don't need that. You don't need Jesus plus ritual or rites or any of that stuff. His sacrifice on the cross and his raising from the dead three days later is more than enough for you to have right standing with God, period. But these false teachers were corrupting that. We, we still would deal with that today. A lot of our uh, modern cults like to add on uh, to the gospel, they may even say like, no, no, listen, we, we, we like Jesus. We believe in Jesus too. However, if you really want to go to heaven, if you really want to have a right standing with God, you need Jesus plus this. And it's nonsense. It, 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 there's, it's not biblical at all. It, it's what we would call heretical. So look at verse one of this Galatians chapter one. It says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I'm going to read from New Living Translation. Uh, It says, I was not appointed by any group or by human authority. Okay, this is Paul letting these guys know this. He says, my call is from Jesus Christ himself and from God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. And we, we understand that from the book of Acts when Paul had the encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And that's what Paul is saying. He, he's saying that Jesus commissioned him as an apostle when he surrendered his life to Jesus. He met the risen, the resurrected Lord Jesus on his way to Damascus to go and arrest Christians. That's when God had commissioned Paul to be an apostle. So Paul's letting these guys know. He's like, look, it wasn't anybody else. Um, he had 
the backing of other apostles, but he had the blessing from God, right? And that's really what he needed. He goes on to say, all the brothers and sisters here, uh, here join me in sending greetings to the churches, plural, of Galatia. May grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. That is why all glory belongs to God through all the ages of eternity. Amen. So there's Paul's real short little introduction. Um, the book of Galatians is different from most of the other epistles that Paul had written. Uh, there's not like a, a huge greeting there. There's not a prayer uh, for, the, for his audience, so to speak. It's like, here's my intro. Let me remind you of who I am. And he said, and he basically sums it up. I'm an apostle commissioned by God. Um, and my message is the gospel. It's the gospel pure and simple. Jesus died for your sins and he rose again from the grave. Like, and that's it. And um, he needed to remind these guys because these false teachers that came in and they were questioning Paul's authority, right? They're, not only were they questioning his message, but they were also questioning his authority. So Paul's essentially gonna just, he's gonna get right down to business. He's like, all right, hey, what's up guys? Apostle Paul, um, remember the gospel I preached to you? Yeah, let's talk about that. Like, really like direct. And he's going he's gonna to remind these guys of the simplicity of following Jesus, but he's also going to go to battle against some of these false teachers. And that's really what the, the rest of the, really what the rest of the letter is about. Um, but we'll, we'll walk through this, this next portion. This is where Paul gets down to business, okay? Um, he just jumps right into it, verse six. I'm shocked I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God. I mean, that's it. Like, hey guys, what's up? It's me, Apostle Paul, the guy who gave you the, the guy who the Lord used to, to give you the gospel. All glory goes to him. Um, please explain to me how you turned away so quickly. Like, how is it that I was just there with you? And if you, if you believe like I do with that this letter was written um, really right after Acts chapter 15, when they had that great council concerning, well, what do we do with the Gentiles? What rules should they adhere to now that the gospel has been open to them? So it really wasn't that long after Paul was there. Paul and Barnabas were there delivering the gospel and word gets back to him that, man, everybody's like, they're, they're walking away from the Lord. And so Paul starts off this letter, the, the body of this letter with this this the statement of disbelief. I, I can't believe you guys are already bailing. I, I can't believe you guys are already bailing on the grace of God. I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God, who in his love and mercy called you to share the eternal life he gives through Christ. You are already following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who twist and change the truth concerning Christ or concerning Jesus. So here, Paul just throws down the gauntlet. He's like, look, I, I'm shocked. I, I'm shocked at what I'm hearing. Words getting back to me that you guys are, you're turning away from Jesus. I just was there. You, you guys gave your life to the Lord. You, um, you received the gospel in its simplicity. 
and now you're turning away. What are you turning away back to? And the and we'll we'll see it in a second. But but what was being taught to these guys was, well, you need Jesus plus the law, because Jesus. And again, these false teachers were were saying Jesus isn't enough. He's not enough. He was a good guy, great teacher, sacrifice. He, yeah, he died on the cross. Nobody denies that. He died on the cross. And so for some of these false teachers, they would even start to interject some of these ideas that, well, did he really raise from the dead physically? But they're, they're dropping all this, this false teaching onto these new converts, and these new converts, are they're gobbling it up. And the question is, well, why would they do that? Why would, why would individuals who, who had experienced the grace of God, which is the unmerited favor of God, why would, be, why would they be so quick to, to turn away from this free gift of grace? And I have a thought on that because I, I think we, we're, we can be guilty of it as well. I know in my life, I, I tend to go this direction. You guys know that. I try to be a, as upfront and as transparent with you guys as I possibly can. But my nature, not my, not my new nature, but my old nature was geared way, way towards works. If I do good things, then good things will happen to me. If I do good things, then God will be happy with me. But if I don't do good things, then God's mad at me. Like that's how I function all, all of my life, right? Even when I didn't really believe in a God, that's kind of how I functioned, right? So when you come into this relationship with Jesus and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is all you need. Now, will you do good works as a Christian? Of course you will, okay? Of course you will, and you should. If you're a Christian not doing good works, there's something wrong with your relationship with Jesus, okay? Christians do good works, not to go to heaven, but because we are heaven-bound, right? And we represent him. But we love that tangible aspect of, of relationships. We love that sense of like, okay, if I do something, if I do something good, if I read my Bible every day for this, this many minutes, and if I pray every day for this many minutes, then that means God is happy with me. And that's not true. That's not true. Now, if you're reading the word every day and you're praying every day, you're blessed because of that. But the moment we turn that into like a, a, a duty, right? D-U-T-Y for all my kids who are watching right now then the delight is gone. Then you, you've, you've taken something beautiful and turned it into works. Because what happens when you wake up the next day and you miss your daily Bible reading? What, God's not happy with you? God's displeased with you? That's how we treat it. And, and we, we love that tangible aspect of things. If I'm doing good stuff, then it, means, it must mean that my relationship with the Lord is going really well. But that's not true. Your relationship with the Lord is going really well when you wake up each and every morning and you say, you know what, Lord, the one thing I need more than anything else today is your grace and your mercy in my life today. I need you today. I need you to make it today. That's what I need. A life that is totally and fully surrendered over to him. Completely just like, Lord, I'm gonna take your grace. I'm gonna get into your word because I wanna hear from you because I love reading your word. Because, I, man, I need this every day. I want your word. I want to pray because I, I want that relationship. I want to communicate with you. I want to hear from you. We're not checking off boxes. 
We're not checking off boxes. These guys came along, came in after Paul and, and started um, convincing these individuals that, well, no, you need to start checking off boxes. Because if you're not doing these things, if you're not getting circumcised, Gentiles, if you don't get circumcised, then God's not pleased with you. That was one of the, one of the, the lies that was thrown out there. But they were buying it. They were buying it. This message pretended to be the good news, but it was not the good news. There's this uh, story of this little boy who was selling newspapers. Um, it seems like a bygone era, right? But uh, he was selling newspapers, and he, he went up to this one house, and he, he was uh, telling this gentleman, hey, you know, y- you should subscribe to my newspaper. And the guy's like, well, why, why should I subscribe to your newspaper? Why should I give you money on a continual basis for, for this newspaper. And, and this kid had a, a brilliant sales pitch. He says, well, because this newspaper only, only uh, shares the good news, right? And so I think the guy ended up getting the subscription. But I mean, what a great selling point. Only the good news. It, I mean, my goodness, if today, if that's all we had, if, imagine, imagine how amazing it would be if you just turned on any news broadcast channel And it was just nothing but good news. Oh, that would be such a relief. I can tell you the stress levels in our society would probably drop significantly. Why? Well, good news doesn't sell, unfortunately. Only the good news. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul had. That's what you have with Jesus. It's good news. It's the gospel. That's what that means. They had it. They had the good news. But they decided to go this other route. Here's Paul's... uh, Here's Paul's message to these false teachers. Verse 8, it says, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including myself, who preaches any other message than the one we told you about. So if there's somebody out there preaching some other gospel, there is no other gospel, but if they're preaching some other gospel, Paul says, Let them be anathema. Let them be cursed. May they be cursed, right? A Christian curse. How crazy is that? It's a real thing. It's a real deal. And Paul's saying, look, if somebody comes in and they're preaching a false gospel, then may they be cursed by God. That's pretty severe. But that's how serious Paul takes this, the gospel message. That's how serious we should all take the gospel message. Not that you need to go, go around cursing people, okay? That's that's not the practical application of this point, right? You don't go around saying, oh, you don't believe in the gospel, you're preaching false. Cursed, you're cursed by God. No, they don't need that, right? We don't need to be doing that. Um, what we need to be doing is being alert to what is being communicated and who is receiving those messages. Because you may, have, you may know people who are believers and maybe they're listening to individuals they shouldn't listen to. Maybe they're listening to people who are saying, yeah, we like Jesus, however, Jesus is not enough. Well, you ought to come to their defense, the people who are receiving the message, so to speak, come alongside them and say, no, no, hold on. Let's not forget, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was more than enough, was more than enough. So Christ is enough. His death on the cross is enough. So if you catch wind of some false teaching that's out there. And let me give you the heads up. There are a lot of false teachings that are out there. And you know somebody who's maybe caught up in something like that. Well, come alongside them gently and remind them of what the gospel truly is, what it is. 
But Paul's like, let him be cursed, all these false teachers. He says, even if I were to proclaim another gospel, may I be cursed as well. Even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches another message, let him be forever cursed. Well, there's a nice little hot topic for our modern history, right? Because we have some individuals who say an angel came down from heaven and delivered what? Another gospel. Well, there is no other gospel. And that this other gospel was, is connected to works. No, no, no. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. But even if an angel comes down from heaven, let him be forever cursed. Verse nine, I will say it again. If anyone preaches any other gospel other than the one you welcomed, and he's reminding them, you welcomed this message. You received this message. Let God's curse fall upon that person. Verse 10, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. Of course, right? You read that and you're like, duh. There's no way Paul's trying to be a people pleaser by making these statements. You don't go around saying, look, if there's a teacher who's preaching a false gospel, may God's curse fall upon that person. You're not concerned about what people think about you when you're making statements like that. Paul was not a people, pl people pleaser. In fact, these false teachers were the people pleasers. They were the ones guilty of trying to please everyone. He says, no, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to be, if I was still trying to please people, I wouldn't be Christ's servant because it's hard to serve Christ and try to please everybody because we all know how this works. You can't please everyone. And certainly if you're trying to serve the Lord, you're not going to please everyone. This is a lesson that, I mean, being in the ministry for, I don't know how long now, but being a, a, a pastor, a lead pastor here at Calvary Galveston, the one thing that I learned is that you cannot please everyone. You cannot please, and people are very quick to let you know that you have let them down in some form or fashion, okay? So that's, that's how church works, right? But we're not in it for that. None of us are in it for that. I hope if you serve here at Calvary Galveston or if you serve at some other church, you're not in it for the praise of men. You're in it for the praise of God, that he receives the praise. And if, you, if any pat on the back that you receive may be from God himself, okay? We're not doing this for other people. We're not doing this so that we receive the praise of, of men. We're not concerned about that. The only thing as a servant of the Lord we should be concerned with is hearing God say at the end of it all, well done, good job, good and faithful servant. He goes on, verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I solemnly assure you that the good news of salvation which I preached is not based on uh, mere human reasoning or logic. In fact, some would even say that the gospel message is, is somewhat illogical. It doesn't make sense, right? God would take on human form, live a sinless life, die on a cross, and then raise from the grave three days later. Paul would even say that to the, to the church uh, at Corinth multiple times. He would let them know, like, listen, following Jesus, you're going to be perceived as a foolish person by the world. And we even said our Easter message from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, look, if, this, if none of this stuff even happened, then we're, we're the biggest dummies in the whole planet. Like, we're fools. But it has happened. Does it make total logical sense? Well, maybe not completely. How do you explain this? Well, I've, there's some elements to a relationship with God that you just can't explain. 
And I think we should be okay with that. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Galatians, a New Testament letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Its lessons on unity and holiness may have been written long ago, but these truths can still be applied in your life today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the messages you've heard on Bread for the Broken. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor James on this topic, you can visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Do you live in the Galveston area, and are you looking for a church home? We'd be honored to have you join us at Calvary Galveston this Sunday at 10 a.m. We're a laid-back church, and we encourage you to simply come as you are. You can get directions to our church and more information at breadforthebroken.com. If you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. Before our time with you is over for the day, we want to ask you a question. Would you partner with us here at Bread for the Broken? We'd be honored if you'd pray with us for everyone who's listening to this program, that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Would you also pray about partnering with us financially? All donations are appreciated, no matter the size. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for coming alongside us to share the gospel message. And thanks for listening today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love, man, and give it.